that God would have us look at over the next few weeks. Now, if you've been around here at all, you know that your pastor loves coffee. Anybody know that? I love coffee. Now, you can take one look at my kitchen counter. You can know that I like coffee. Every new gadget that comes out, I want. I can be at Sam's and I can see a, a, a new coffee maker and, and I can think, man, I need that. Man, I want that. I went away a couple of weekends ago and I came back and some of my gadgets on the countertop were missing. Because my wife gets tired of seeing the counter filled with coffee makers and espresso makers and bean grinders. And you, you get the point, right? Now, some people have even went as far as calling me a coffee snob. Do you know what the coffee snob is? As somebody that will not drink Folgers or Maxwell House. That is a coffee. Do we have anybody that likes Folgers and Maxwell House in here? Yeah, a bunch. Yeah. It's quite funny because somebody this morning, we were downstairs and, and um, they asked uh, Julia, what coffee is it that you make here? And they said, it's Folgers. And she said, oh, it's so good. And I'm thinking, Yuck. But I've started to realize something over as I begin to get older. That as much as I like coffee, it never satisfies me as much when I'm drinking it alone. There's something about getting together and sitting down with, with friends or, or family or, and having a conversation Having a conversation, whether it be at my kitchen table or on my back porch or even around a, a campfire fire, or even at a cafe. There's just something about talking over a cup of coffee. How many people have said, hey, let's, let's get a cup of coffee. Let's, let's meet. Let's get together. And so not too long ago, someone made a post on Facebook and they said, if you could sit down with one figure... One person from the Bible and have a conversation with them, who would it be? And I began to think about that. And, and of course, when, it, when they said sit down with, my mind immediately went to I would have to have a cup of coffee. I would want to share a cup of coffee with, with that person. And, and so that's sort of where the idea for this sermon series came from. You see, the, the Bible is filled with people. Who have amazing stories. It is filled with, with people. That have been through so much in their life. And just as we teach around here. Just as we say that, that we have a story. We've talked about everyone has a story. Well those people. They're not just any. They are people. They were real. They have a story. And they have stories that I believe that we can learn from. As you begin to read the Bible and you begin to, to look at different ways to study the Bible, one way to study it is, is to look at the figures from the Bible and look at what we can learn from their lives. Look at how that they had things in their life. And Hebrews chapter 11 talks about 
It's been called the Hall of Faith because it gives us several examples of several different people who had obstacles in their life. They had things that that they had to overcome. But through all of those, it always said that they had faith enough to overcome whatever the enemy threw at them. Now, as a pastor, I've only been a lead pastor for uh, a little over three years. And I am always looking to better myself because I understand that I have not arrived. And so as I begin to, to look at bettering myself, I always try to position myself with people that I can gain wisdom from. There are many times that I will call another pastor and say, hey, let's get coffee. Hey, let's sit down so that I can find out and gain wisdom from you. So as I began to think about that, I thought, what would it be like if we could sit down with some of the figures, some of the people that we read about in the Bible? What would they tell us? What wisdom would they give to us? So after... The Bible talks about, in Hebrews chapter 11, all of these people who had, who had faith to overcome the things and the obstacles in their life. It goes to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How many people understand that that this life, that it's a race? Races are not easy. No matter how much you think that you're prepared for them, at the end, you're always spent. You're tired. And this passage of Scripture says that all of these people, they overcame all of these obstacles. And then it says, therefore. And it begins to talk about all of these people that we can gain wisdom from. So what would the great cloud of witnesses tell us? For the next few weeks, we're going to look at some key figures, some key people, and try to gain some wisdom from their life, and try to gain some encouragement. And today, I want to look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, we all know that Mary played a very important role in the life of Jesus. Some religions have have went as far to make her the focus But I believe that if if we could talk to Mary, if we could sit down over a cup of coffee, that she would tell us, I'm not the focus. Jesus is the focus. Because here Mary was, and scholars will tell us that, that she was probably between 14 and 16 years old. And she had to be a frightened teenage girl. She was visited by an angel, and she was told that she was going to be pregnant without ever being with a man. And not only was she going to be with child, but she was going to be carrying the Son of God. Now at that moment, she probably wasn't jumping for joy. And at that moment, I'm pretty confident that she didn't understand what God was doing or why He was doing it. 
Have you ever had something happen in your life that you thought, I don't understand him? I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand what he's trying to do. And there's times in our life that, that, that God will be very confusing to us. Because we can't comprehend it. But when this happens, I believe that, that Mary would tell us this. When God asks you to do something outside of your comfort zone. When God does something that doesn't make any sense to you. I believe she would say, don't miss your moment with God. Don't miss your moment with God. Because God is working and what he's working on is bigger than what you can think. It's bigger than what we can comprehend. The Bible tells us that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so I believe Mary would say, in that moment, in that God moment, don't miss it. You see, God is a God of moments. He's a God that is always reaching out to us. And so when we begin to look at, this was Mary's God moment. This was something that was going to define her life. So what would she say about this moment? I believe the first thing that she would say is, is that God moments often seem impossible. There's times in your life that you're going to be faced with a circumstance or that God is going to ask you to do something that seems impossible. You're going to look at it and say, there's no way I can't do it. There's no way I can't make it. But this story is found in Luke chapter 1. Let's take a look at it, starting in verse 31. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. She said, how will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. So here she is. The angel has come to her and he has told her what's going to happen. There had to be some fear. That struck her heart. In this moment. There had to be some questions. And so when she said. How can this be? She was trying to, to get some reassurance. She was trying to, to, to get past some of her fears. And there's going to be times. That something happens in your life. Or God asks you to do something. That's not going to make any sense. And many of us. We cannot comprehend God's plan. Because we can't understand it. It's hard to, to comprehend something that you can't understand, that you can't grasp. But when you do that, when you do that, you miss the best part of God. When you reduce God down to the size of your brain, to what you can understand or what you can comprehend. When you don't want to, to, to make it you don't want to get to a point that you're trying to make what God is wanting to do in your life something that can fit inside of your mind. You see, you have to learn to, to trust God even when you don't understand Him. 
Trust God even when you do not understand Him. How many people would say you've had something in your life that you just don't understand? It's part of your story. If you've been around here and you've known our story, you you may get tired of hearing it, but it's part of our story. It's part of who has shaped us into who we are, my wife and I. You see, back in 2008, we had a failed adoption. And it was one of the most heartbreaking times in our life. And I can tell you that it was a moment that we did not understand what God was doing. We looked at God and, and thought, what are you doing, God? Okay, we're, we're going to just do it our way. You see, this is just not something that, that we preach. It's something that, that we have to live And in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, it says, Jesus looked at them with this man, with man, that this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And so we looked at this and we began to realize, God, I don't know what you're doing. We don't understand it. And man was saying that it was impossible. And I won't say that there weren't moments that we didn't have our doubts. But we begin to look at and think, okay, God, you said it's possible. We're just going to wait and see how. We're going to wait and see how. So you may be here this morning and you might be in a situation where you think that whatever it is is impossible. You can't do it. You're not going to overcome it. But God said it's possible. It's possible. And so here Mary said, she said, how can this be? And she had to realize, with man it's impossible. But if God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So next I believe Mary would say, when God moments come, just say yes. When God moments come, just say yes. Luke chapter 1 verse 38 said this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now at that moment, I still believe that Mary probably didn't understand. I believe that she probably didn't feel what was going on. I'm sure that her family thought, yeah, likely story. I'm sure that Joseph had lots of questions. I'm sure that the religious leaders probably looked at her and said, we stone people for this kind of stuff. I'm sure that she probably had to deal with some ridicule and some confusion. She probably had to deal with some anger and some worry. There were times that that she probably said, I don't get it. But she said, may your word to me be fulfilled. What did she do? She believed his word. She believed it. She may not have understood it. It may still have been a difficult time in her life. But she said, I believe your word. I believe what what you're telling me. 
And you see, when we have those moments, there are moments in our life that the only thing that is going to sustain us is His Word. There's times in our life that we need to to listen and hear the very voice of God and allow Him to speak into our situation and not only listen to it, but believe it. You see, when God says He will do it, He's going to do it. When Jesus had Jairus come to Him, And he said, my daughter's dying. I need you to come now. And so Jesus, he tried to make his way, but but others started tugging at him. Others started approaching him. And so he was delayed. And Jairus was probably thinking, come on, Jesus. You need to come now. You need to do this now. If you don't come on, it's going to be too late. If you don't take care of this situation now, it's not going to be fixed. And you may be there in your life. You may look at things and think, God, if you don't do this now, it's going to be too late. And so at that moment, while Jesus was was being detained by other people, while He was being crowded around and tugged at by other people to, to, to perform other miracles... They came to him and they said, don't worry about it now. It's too late. She's dead. And and the Bible says that that overhearing what they said, that Jesus told him, he said, "You, you think it's over? But he said, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. And then we learn in the story that, that Jesus goes and he raises her from the dead. Now, what can we take from this? Well, you see, what they wanted was they wanted her to be healed. They wanted her to to be healed from her infirmity, from her sickness. But Jesus wanted to raise her from the dead. You see, they wanted this, but God did that. And we have to come to a point in our life that, that we trust God with all of it. That we look at things in our life and we say, you know what, this is what I would like to happen, but God, I'm trusting you. This is how I want it to work out. This is how I want it to go, but God, I'm trusting you. We have to come to a point that that we look at a situation and our God moment, and we, even though we can't comprehend it, and even though it looks impossible, we just say, yes, God. Yes. To go along with our story of our failed adoption. In September of that year, we got a phone call. And it was a chance for another adoption. And so we were only about two or three months removed from the tragedy that we had been been through. And when we got this phone call, we were like, no way. No way. I will not subject myself to that pain again. We've got a better idea. We've got a better plan. But in the matter of one day, in the matter of one day, the Holy Spirit began to speak to us and say, this is your God moment. You can't understand it. It may be frightening, but just say yes. Forget about everything else that you've got planned. Forget about the way that you're trying to work it out. Just say yes. I believe Mary would say 
that when your God moment, when you say yes to your God moment, that it will open the door for God's best in your life. When you say yes to your God moment, it will open the door for God's best in your life. You see, when God is moving in a way that's different than the way you want Him to, we have to understand and we have to realize that God is right, that His way is better. As I continue to pastor and and meet with people, my heart hurts For people who cannot comprehend and cannot understand that life with Christ is just better. His ways are just better. Why am I so convinced of that? I've made up my mind that to the best of my ability, I'm going to to stop asking God questions as to why. And I'm just going to to try to believe that, that He has the best things for me. And he wants the best for me. You see, I believe that, that Mary probably had a hard time believing this. I, I believe that she got discouraged. You say, why do you say that? Well, she left town. She left town. She decided, I'm going to go visit my cousin. So she went to visit Elizabeth, who would be the mother of John the Baptist. And the Bible says that as she gets there, as she Pulls into the driveway, if you would. She says, in a loud voice, Elizabeth screams. This is found in verse 42 of that same chapter. It says, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. I believe this had to be some encouragement for Mary. It had to be some encouragement for Mary because here she comes, probably at a moment that she wasn't feeling very blessed. She probably didn't understand. She couldn't see really what God was doing. But she said, blessed are those who believe. You need to write that down somewhere. Blessed are those who believe. Why was Elizabeth able to act that way? Could have been maybe because she was a little older. Maybe she had a little bit more life experience. As I stand up here this morning, I probably would have a harder time preaching this and believing this if I didn't have my story. If I didn't have some experience of times that God had done something in my life that seemed impossible. It probably would be a, a little bit more difficult if there were times in my life that, that I would have said that God had failed me. But you see, I, I have a history. I understand And you may be here this morning and you may not have a track record with God. You you may be at a point in your life that you're saying, God, I need you to do something. You may be at a point in your life that you're very discouraged. I mean, even if you've been with God for a while and you've seen Him do things, there still can be times that you become discouraged. There's times in my life that I become discouraged. 
There's times in my life that I need to talk with someone who's been in it longer than me. I need someone to speak encouragement into my life. I need to hear someone say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I need to hear somebody's story. And I believe that Mary was at a point in her life that she went to Elizabeth and Elizabeth said, you are blessed. She spoke encouragement into her life. Now we think about this story and then we begin to look at Mary. Like I said, she was very young. But 30 years later, when Jesus is starting His ministry, she's no longer questioning who He is. She no longer has any doubt of what God is doing. She now has confidence in her Son. How do you know that? Because Mary and Jesus were at a wedding. And they had ran out of wine. And Mary looks at Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, you need to do your thing. And Jesus says, This doesn't have anything to do with me. My time's not come. Mary said, No, no, you're going to do it. She pulled the mom card on him. Jesus, you're going to take care of this. So Mary began to say, Let me tell you what's going to happen here. And Jesus is getting ready to do something. And he's going to say some things to you. And you're going to think in your mind, hey, wait a minute, that's not the way you make wine. It doesn't work that way. Then she says, just do what he says. John chapter 2 verse 5 says this. His mother said to his servant, whatever he says to you, do it. So now, 30 years later, Mary is walking in confidence. Why is that? Because I believe that there's a time period in, in the Scripture that we don't hear anything about Jesus' life from the age of 12 to the age of 30. But I believe during that time that Jesus was doing some supernatural stuff. And that she had seen things in His life. And she began to realize that He really was the Son of God. And she began to comprehend that there was things in, in His life and, and things that He could do. She began to believe in who he really was because she had experience with him. She had gained a revelation of who he was. Her history with Jesus had given her confidence. And there are those of you here this morning that you need to realize and you need to understand, hey, you may not know how God's going to do it. It may not make any sense to you. You may look at it and say, that's not the way that's supposed to be done. That's not the way you make wine. But I believe Mary would say, just do whatever he says to you. Whatever he says, just do it. Because he's going to. Fast forward in our life. Saying yes to your God moment can open up the door for the best moment in your life. April 2009. We adopted a beautiful baby. And when we look at that, it is still mind-boggling to us how it all came about. And if you haven't heard the story, I would love to share it with you over a cup of coffee. 
But how it came about is still mind-boggling to us because you look at it and you say, there's no way that that should have worked out the way that it worked out. But saying yes to that God moment opened up the best moment in our lives. And there are some of you here today that you need to say yes to whatever it is that God has in front of you. Maybe you need to say yes to trusting and believing Him. Maybe you just have to take that step of faith. I'm here this morning. I'm trying to to be Elizabeth to you right now. I'm trying to say, blessed are those who believe. I know you're probably, you, you could be here and you could be sad. You could be confused. You could be trying to, to figure out what God is doing. You can be trying to figure out, God, where are you? You could be saying, God, how did I get to this point? You're hurting. But I want to assure you that God is working in your life in ways that you cannot see and in ways that you do not realize. And I believe Mary would want us to know that. So as we would wind up our conversation with Mary, I believe that she would have some some final things to say. Some some words of encouragement. The first thing I think she would say is, stay connected to God. Stay connected to God. You see, the enemy of our soul wants us to become disconnected from God. And the enemy of connection with God is the pace of our life. You see, I believe a, a better pace will equal a better place. A better pace of life, when we have time to stay connected with God, when we slow down long enough, we live in a, li- in a world that we are always in a hurry. Look at the Christmas story. It's a picture of society. In Luke chapter 2, verse 16 through 19, it says this, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed and what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart heart. He said Mary treasured the moment in her heart. And a lot of us, we are always hurrying off. We need to learn to sit and ponder. We need to learn to sit and worship. We need to let God give us assurance. We need to, to turn on some, some worship music and let God begin to, to heal our heart. We need to understand that in John chapter 15, verse 5, he said this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're not connected to God, if you become disconnected from him, it's going to be hard to say yes to your God moment. It's going to be impossible to believe. It's going to be impossible to trust. You have to stay connected to him. Some of you, you've been disconnected from the vine. And you need to slow down long enough to get in His presence. Secondly, I believe she would say, stay connected to your purpose. 
I believe that, that what kept Mary going was realizing when she became to realize that she had the responsibility of carrying God. And there were probably days that she didn't feel like it. There were probably days that she didn't understand. And, and it was hard to, to stay connected and, and to stay focused on her purpose. But God would send her encouragements. In Luke chapter 2 verse 34 through 35 it says this. Then Simeon, <coughs> Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be in to be a sign that there will be a spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Here he was allowing her to know that this child that you're carrying, it's your purpose in life. It's your purpose. So she had people to speak into her life and said, hey, this is your purpose. Stay connected to it. Stay focused on it. And I believe that knowing your purpose in life is, is one of the keys to success. People who, who feel as if they have no purpose, most of them live a miserable life. People who have no vision for their future, the Bible says that they perish. If you don't connect, if you don't find, and we believe around here that there's spiritual significance to finding your purpose in life. And if you don't ever get to connect to that, life's going to stink. 2 Timothy 1 and 6 says this. This is why I remind you to fan into the flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. He said, use your gift. Fulfill your purpose, what I've placed in you. I believe she would say, stay connected to the people who encourage you. Stay connected to the people who encourage you. You see, Mary just didn't go visit Elizabeth. She just didn't stop by for a few hours and head home. Luke chapter 1 verse 56 says this. I'll tell you what it says. It says she stayed for three months. She stayed for three months. Why did she stay that long? She probably thought, hey, I'm going to stay with the woman who says that I'm blessed. I'm going to stay with the woman who calls me blessed. And some of you here, you need to quit hanging out with the people that you're hanging out with. Because they're not speaking encouragement and life into you. Some of you, you need, you need to get with people who are reminding you of your purpose, who will help you fan the flames and stir up the gift that God has placed in you. We need someone to, to get in our ear when we're falling down. We need to understand in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Yes. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Oh, there it is. I think the sound booth's too dark. They're sleeping. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted. The... That's not even the right verse. <laughs> Praise him. 
And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. To get together. Stir up. Be encouraged. And I believe Mary would say that. One of the last things that we hear about Mary and we learn about her is that Jesus is now 33 years old and he's on the cross. And she's watching the child that she carried be executed. And we always teach this from Jesus' perspective and what he went through and the pain that he went through. Or we look at it from God the Father's perspective of, uh, of what he went through watching his son die. But have you ever wondered what it was like from Mary's perspective? I mean, I'm not trying to, to bring up bad feelings and, and because there are those who have been through this. But to me, one of the hardest things that I've ha ever had to do as a parent is watch a parent bury their child. I was actually talking with someone this week who had to do just that. He was in his 70s and his son was in his 30s. Because there's something about that, that, that the order of life is just messed up. It's not supposed to be that way, but this is where Mary was. This is where she was. And we begin to think about what would it be like for her to walk away from that scene? What would it be like for her to walk away knowing that she just watched her son die? It's hard to imagine. How did she make it? How did she make it? John chapter 19, verse 25 through 27 says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, Jesus, John took care. Mary said so this disciple took her into his home so what would it be like how did she make it how do we make it through some of our darkest days what do we do when it feels like that our very purpose has been taken from us how do we make it heaven you see we I believe we put too much hope too much of our happiness in a place that we're just passing through the only place that the word blessed is added to the word hope is found in Titus chapter 2 verse 13 
when it says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we see Him face to face, when you feel like you can't take it anymore, you need to stay connected to the bigger picture. What's that bigger picture? We're aliens and strangers in this place just passing through. There are going to be times in your life that you need to stay connected to that. Listen, as pastor, trying to, as we all should be, trying to fulfill the Great Commission, There's days that not just for my life that I need to stay connected to the bigger picture, but for the life of those who are lost. I have to stay connected to the bigger picture. Because there's days that I just want to throw up my hands and say, even so, come Lord Jesus. But I stay connected to the bigger picture. And I understand that there is a heaven to gain. And you may be here this morning and you may say, I don't have that promise. Can I tell you, life is just a vapor. It's just a vapor. I was talking with someone this week and I said, you know, we always say that life is just a vapor. We always say that we don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm not sure that we really comprehend what we're saying. And in those difficult moments, know that no matter what happens on this earth, that heaven's waiting. That's the bigger picture. So Mary began to understand, hey, there's a bigger picture to what's going on here. No matter what you're going through in your life, there's a bigger picture. And some of it the bigger picture can be revealed maybe when you get through it and then you can look back and say but even bigger than that is no that heaven's real with every head bowed and every eye closed I would like to ask you how many of you would say Pastor I'm at a point in my life right now that I'm having a hard time trusting God. I'm having a hard time trusting. Just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I'm having a hard time trusting Him. I'm going through some things that that seem impossible. My finances are a wreck. My relationships are a mess. I don't see any way out. I'm having a hard time trusting Him having a hard time believing him if that's you this morning I believe God wants you to know that with man it's impossible but with God it's possible he says stay connected to me I 
find it amazing that when we start going through things that our natural instinct is to run away. It's built into us. I mean, if we're scared of something, what do we do? It's Halloween. What do we do? We run. But with God, it's different. With God, we have to, when we're afraid, it says cling to Him. Stay connected to Him. Stay connected to the vine. And if you're here this morning and you're discouraged, you're hurting, life has got you down, keep trusting Him. Keep trusting Him. We sing a song around here that says, even when I don't see it, He's working. Even when I don't feel it, He's working. It says He's a way maker when there seems to be no way. And as you stand to your feet this morning, I believe that God wants to speak some encouragement into your life. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't disconnect yourself from the one who has the answers. And if you're here this morning and you've never confessed, if you've never put your trust, if you've never confessed with your mouth or believed in your heart who Christ is, it's that simple. He says, connect to me. Connect to me. Allow me to show you who I am. So we're going to pray this morning. I'm going to ask you to pray for the person on your right and on your left. If you're sitting by yourself, find somebody. And we're going to pray. We're going to believe God. I know that there are people in here today, you raised your hand, you shared with me, that you're going through things in your life right now that seem impossible. God prove himself to you. Keep believing. Keep trusting. So right now we're going to pray. We're going to trust God. And we're going to leave here with our faith being placed in him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you right now. Father, you see every person that's in this auditorium this morning. God, you see every hurt. You see every question. You see every fear. God, I pray right now, God, that you will speak peace over your people. That you will speak into their lives and allow them to know 
that when there seems to be no way, that you will make a way. God, for those who are here who are discouraged, who are hurting, God, I pray that you will, that you will give them healing. God, that you will allow them to, to, even when it doesn't make any sense, to trust you. God, that when it seems like that everything is crashing around them, God, that they will put their hope and confidence and faith in you. God, when the enemy wants them to to stop and and to run from your presence, to disconnect themselves from you, God, will you remind them and give them the strength and the courage to do exactly the opposite and to, to draw near to you so that you can draw near to them. God, for those who are at the point of just throwing up their hands and walking away, God, I pray right now, God, that you allow them to know that you love them. God, that you have everything that they need. God, remind them of the bigger picture. God, even when things don't make any sense. Even when we're hurting so bad. God, I know that you see that. God, when we're so scared and we're so afraid. God, calm our fears. God, you've promised in your word. God, we've seen it and we have confidence to know that you are faithful. You're faithful. God, no matter what we face, God, let us cling to your faithfulness. Let us cling to your word. Let us know that we're blessed. Let us believe what you've said. speak to hearts right now. God, we don't just want to hurry off. But God, let us sit in your presence just for a few moments. Let us ponder and treasure the things in our heart. God, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, seems too high to climb. God, when the valley seems so deep that we can't get out, God, remind us that you're faithful. God, we love you. God, we thank you.
faithful church.